This week, 20th February, marks the UN World Day of Social Justice. And as part of this special day, we held an event, Balancing the Scales, where we invited guests to take part in a privileged trail walk. Speakers who could not be with us left us amazing messages. Anil Soni, CEO of the World Health Organization Foundation. Sheetal Kumar, Head of Global Engagement and Advocacy. In person, we had Tammy Banks, Director of Tay Training, who talked about relative privilege, and spoken word artist Samuel King, who shared his poem, especially written for the event, All Fingers Are Not the Same. We also had Ishreen Bradley and Roger Williams talking about our research, The Privileged Conundrum. If you weren't able to attend the event, there will be an opportunity to watch the replay. Details will be shared on our LinkedIn page in due course. In this following episodes, we replay the point where Ishreen and Roger share the findings of the Privilege Conundrum Research, which we launched over a year ago. If you've been following our podcast series, you'll be familiar with our research updates that we've been sharing. What I take away from this talk, and I hope you also will be just as inspired as our guests were, relative privilege is just that. It is relative to those who we surround ourselves by accident or through deliberation. And because of this, it tends to be invisible to those who possess it and ever-present to those who don't. There are some important messages in this in the following episode, so do stay the course. And like with others at our event, you will leave with some ideas, questions and reflections. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know what you're thinking, what your reflections are, what perhaps are questions that are coming up for you. Get in touch. Um, we look forward to hearing from you. Enjoy the episodes. Welcome to the Privilege Eruption podcast with me, Ishreen Bradley, Chief Inspiration Officer at Belonging Pioneers. And me, Kami Nuttall, founder of Culture Lab Consultancy. Privilege is a conundrum that dilutes the culture of fairness at work. And as a leader, you recognize that your organization has more to do. You want to create success through connection and belonging, and you're unsure about how to make it happen. Now, the Privilege Eruption podcast is where you have the opportunity to evolve breakthrough thinking about the impact of power, privilege and purpose and how that shows up at work. And in these podcasts, you will gain the courage and confidence to realize a culture of inclusion for all. So, defensiveness. This is where um, HR departments say, but we have a policy for that. They said, we've, had, we've got a policy for that. What's the point in having a policy if it's not applied? Right? Um, my... my worst one, it's not my favorite one, but it's the one I have to talk about, is that um, when a person of color, for example, has a complaint, they don't want to follow the complaints procedure. They're too scared, right? And the person might have come and spoken to me and I feed it back to HR so that they can do something about it. And I'm told, but they have to raise a written complaint. They ain't going to do that. You know, so you want to think about how else can you get that information in a way that you can take action. Um, organizational defensiveness. Um, individual defensiveness, need I say more? Cressida Dick. 
individual defensiveness. And then we come to entitlement. So entitlement is where, for example, I have a privilege and I'm like, well, I can't do anything about it. You know, I've got it. A uh, typical example is where um, on a personal level, if somebody, if a man has inherited from his father, right, and the sis his sisters haven't, and he'll go, well, that's just, you know, the will, that's written, I can't do anything about it. If he was curating or stewarding his privilege, he'd be looking at, well, maybe I can just share some of it with my sisters, or maybe I can have that will changed for when my children inherit. Okay, so those are the kinds of things that we have found in our work with clients and in, um, in our work with clients and in our research that um, really maintain this relative privilege. So as I said, we'll have a lot more detail in the report for you, but I just wanted to share that with you. And I've probably gone over time, haven't I, Roger? <laughs> so I'm going to hand over to Roger now so that he can come and... Um, share with you some of the amazing research work that he's been doing for us. Thank you. Thank you, Ishreen. Um, yeah, I've got the slot before the food. Um, it's marginally better than the slot after the food. Um, when we started on this work, it seemed like a relatively simple proposition to go out and ask people a lot of questions. However, given the questions are going to be quite uncomfortable and potentially revealing reasonably negative things about the organization, we had to take a slightly different approach. We couldn't just ask people, are they in denial? Are they, are they <laughs> overly entitled? By the way... Um, why, why are old male crocodiles the most dangerous crocodiles? Because they're in denial. <laughs> I made that up on the spot. I made that up on the spot. That's, that's good. Samuel, I, I'm, yeah, we'll collaborate later, yeah? <laughs> it's a difficult question to ask people because... You know, the, without coming out with it and just saying the obvious elephant in the room, you, how do you get people to answer questions? So the way that I've worked over the last 10, 12 years, I try to get under the skin of a question and try and ask it in a way that raises people's consciousness. When, if you ever complete one of my surveys, I'm hoping you're all going to jump on the survey after this and I'll, we'll have a little call to action at the end, but... What I try to do within the survey is I try to educate people, raise their consciousness while they're filling it in. There's a lot of data that you're giving me that's got nothing. I don't, I don't even look at it, never even analyze it. Don't look at the answers or anything because it's designed to get you to a point of consciousness where you'll tell me the truth. So many times you do a survey, you say, this is going to take you 15 minutes and you go, after the third question, you're going, number one, number one, number one, number one. Okay, so we, we have to take those out because some people don't really love it. But we try to ask the questions in the right way to get the right kind of responses, to get honesty and understanding from, from the respondents. We had 40 fabulous companies getting involved in the survey. 
um, and everyone in this room is invited to join the survey. It's live. I'd like to say this is, this is statistically robust, but it's not over yet because we want you and your organizations to experience this survey to see what kind of information you get back. So what we're looking at here isn't a re reactionary enclave in, in downtown Brixton with a, with a kind of particular political agenda. The people who answered this survey are very representative of the UK population, as you can see from this slide. I won't go through each comparison, but you can see the percentages are reasonably balanced. And we had, in terms of responses, we asked one key question at the beginning, which was really important for us because it set the tone for the rest of the survey, is do you think privilege is inherited or can it be earned? And you can see from the bottom that that first statistic that came back said that privilege isn't just about inherited privilege. People were responding to this talking about earned privilege, relative privilege, privilege that's amassed and been accrued during your life. And that creates that basis for seeing relative privilege from different perspectives. Some of these statistics were not what we were expecting, but they were very, very clear. The respondents told us the use of privilege kills productivity and reputation. So this isn't some kind of altruistic dream or idea to go forward with. It has a tangible, measurable impact on the performance of the organization. You can see that 63% of people observing the action of privilege being used said it's used to gain an unfair advantage over others. People are using it for an unfair advantage. There are some out there that use it to gain a justified advantage over others. So you can see that that maybe comes from a, a sense of the ego of the individuals involved. Um, Unfortunately, 4% had Tammy's mindset, which is the use of privilege to help others who are less privileged. And there were a couple of other reasons, but essentially 83% said it's primarily one person exerting power over another. And how did that make people feel? Well, equally undervalued and demotivated. So. If you're setting out to do something that makes people feel undervalued and demotivated, why would you ever consider doing that inside an organization, even if it was unconscious or unintended? People felt excluded, powerful, powerless, punished, unsafe. And all of these attributes can be very, very clearly linked to factors that destroy productivity, loyalty, makes the place unattractive to work. People come home saying, I don't know why I work here. It's just, you know, it's just killing me. It just makes me feel so bad. Every day I have something or other. I'll, I'll walk right around the car park to avoid passing certain people going in and out of the office. It leads to poor customer experiences. It has a knock-on effect as to how the customers of that organization feel. And then the brand position 
um, perception starts to tumble. And I'll give you some examples at the end where you can see that what that impact really means. I haven't got a huge number of slides, by the way. These are key points, and they'll all be in the report for you to see later. And its use is widespread. The use of privilege is widespread, but mostly unconscious. So the people asked, do you have personal experience of the use of privilege at work, either against you or by you? 92% of respondents said they had experienced privilege at work. Not observed it, but were part of it, either giving it out or getting it. And then when we asked, well, what, what do you think that's behind that? Over half said it's mostly unconscious and unintentional. So remember that word about consciousness. Consciousness. Be alert to the fact that you shouldn't be a dick. Just, you know, bear with us, work with us a little bit and just raise your consciousness and think a little bit. Because a conscious mind is also a learning mind. That some of the things that you feel like you're treading around with difficulty become easy when you're conscious and you do it over and over. You've only got to do something for about five weeks and it becomes a habit. Being nice to people is a habit, right? Wouldn't that be an easy thing to do? But unfortunately, 42% of the response said it's part of our culture. It's a, it's a negative aspect of our culture. And 21% also said it's intentional and it's embedded in the way we work. We aren't publishing the names of the respondents. We're just very grateful for the fact that they stepped up. And that when you respond, we won't be publishing your responses in that way either, because this is an opportunity to learn from where you're at now and to move forward with a different sense of purpose. So its use is widespread and it's mostly unconscious. So it's hidden like a ticking time bomb in so many organizations. What's your organization's policy, <laughs> if it's implemented, of course, in relation to the use of privilege? 64% said we don't have policies that address privilege. Not a specific policy for privilege, but privilege is not something that we've dealt with. Now, we, now you mention it, now you put it forward, now we kind of understand where you're coming from on this privilege issue. We're saying, well, no, we're not doing anything about it. We haven't got anything. 8%, they, there was a pattern of behavior from that 8%, said we don't need anything to address privilege. It's all blown, overblown. It's nothing to worry about. Um, the, the, the demographics helped separate those people out, and they're mostly my cohort, unfortunately. And that we have policies that address privilege is 28% of organizations. Now, that's very challenging because what you've got is a hidden ticking time bomb and you've got nothing in your hands to mitigate that bomb going off. In your, in your opinion, does privilege have a negative impact on the performance of your organization? 76% of respondents think privilege is having a negative impact on the organization's performance, with 14% saying this impact is high. 
no effective policies to mit mitigate the damage that it's doing on a daily basis and a ticking time bomb somewhere that could go off at any time. So careful with that box. And that time bomb could explode if not properly curated. But what organizations, what organizational benefits can be gained by having a more privileged, conscious culture? If we were to raise our consciousness about it, what did people feel would happen? Well, they'd felt they'd feel safe and valued in a relative terms to where they feel right now, that they attract they could attract and retain the talent that they need because there isn't a talent shortage right now. We can, we've all got all the people that we need, right? Ooh, no, ha, no, I think I got that bit wrong. I think there is a talent shortage right now. Increase staff engagement and productivity. Make more positive contributions to society. Improve the reputation of the brand. Customers will choose us more as a consequence. Likely increase in profitability. And the 4% who said no benefits from just discussing this. Then we asked, would the cost of implementing a privileged, conscious policy have a positive or negative benefit for the business? And the net response on benefit is 92% of respondents said that implementing a privileged policy would have benefits that outweigh the costs. So this was the whole story that I've just told you. We asked the UK representative group about privilege, and they told us the use of privilege kills an organization's productivity and reputation. Its use is widespread, but mostly unconscious. So it's like a hidden ticking time bomb that could explode if not properly curated. So is this potentially true of your organization? When we were originating this research, we weren't quite sure how much interest we could generate. And when we first published it, we were gifted something from a political party that will remain unnamed, who had parties when everybody else was in lockdown. <laughs> and just as the phrase, it's one rule for them and another rule for the rest of us hit the headlines, we published the survey and we got a lot of responses. You could say that it hasn't had any damage on the party that perpetrated that use of privilege. Others might think differently. We'll certainly find out very soon when there's a general election. But that's a perfect example. We were gifted an absolutely perfect example of what happens when you do not consciously mitigate and manage and curate privilege because people didn't think twice. They didn't think twice that they were the policymakers and they were making policies for other people and not for themselves. There are other examples that keep popping up once you tune into the term privilege, you hear it everywhere. And its use in a, co in a positive term is incredibly powerful. I feel privileged to be here and to listen to the presentations that went on before us. And I'm going to use that privilege to, to extol the virtues of those people 
and the, the, the insights that I've learned, because that is my privilege and gift that I can give on to other people. See, you overran, and now I've got to rush, it. I've got to rush right? <laughs> I've only got a couple of seconds more. I can I can feel the uh, I can feel the, the need for food <laughs> kicking in. I mentioned well, it it came up a little bit earlier. My daughter plays rugby. Um, she plays rugby for Wales and Saracens, so she plays at the top of the game. You can't play at a higher level anywhere in the world. There is no league in the world anything like the league that my daughter plays in. She's completely and utterly unpaid. She traveled to Wales yesterday for a Wales training camp at her own expense. She stayed at my best friend's house near, near the Vale where they do the training <laughs> last night. Three years ago, when she start, went to a training camp, the coach said, can you not go into the main gym area because the men are in there and we don't want you to disturb them. He said this to international women players. Those of you who saw the TV documentary recently about the problems in the Welsh Rugby Union didn't scratch the surface compared to what the reality of it is and the challenges that they face. Fortunately, my daughter won the, Daily uh, the Sunday Telegraph Unsung Heroes of the Year Award. There was another fellow called Marcus Rashford who was in it. because she calls out users of pri privilege. She called out when the Irish Rugby Union launched a campaign for their new shirts and put four men recognizable Irish players in shirts and then took four models of women that they cut and pasted the new shirts on. And when she called it out, Jacinda Ahern rang her to say, this isn't gonna happen on my watch because the company was Canterbury one of the biggest rugby shirt manufacturers. Flo got a call from them very quickly afterwards, apologizing profusely and everything was fixed. But in, in that example, we see the unfortunate use of privilege where people are just not consciously applying their thinking. And the final point I'd like to make is that when you look at the research that I've done, that we've done, through this subject and the impact that the unintended use of privilege has, it's very, very similar in scale to the unintended and improper use of data. Yet when British Airways lost nearly half a million customer records, they got fined 183 million pounds by the ICO. It was 374 times higher than any other fine has been for data protection and data loss. So they got fined 183 million pounds. The reputational loss for British Airways was 13 billion for making that error of judgment, for publicly being exposed as someone who didn't really care about people's data, weren't managing it, effectively enough and ended up with that kind of reputational damage. The same kind of rec reputational damage that can happen when one of those ticking time bombs that we mentioned earlier go off. In a socially connected 
world, you can step out of line on issues like privilege, but you may end up in very, very deep trouble. That's me done. Thank you. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for joining us. Our intention is to bring you new insights about the impact of power, privilege and purpose at work for you and for your organisation. You can check out our episode description for social media accounts and don't forget to send in your questions and you can send those to our email equitychampions at belongingpioneers.com. We look forward to sharing more about power, privilege and purpose at work with you on this podcast. Now, if you got value, please remember to share it with your networks. Please leave us a review. And as Cami said, please do remember to send us any questions that you'd like us to discuss on this podcast. And we'll see you next time. Next time. Bye.